everybody. Welcome to the What Is Money Show. I am thrilled to have you here joining me on my mission to help shine light on the corruption of money. Now, a little bit about this show and how it makes money. We are 100% sponsor-based, which means that all the revenues we derive come from sponsorships. But I try to be very selective about the sponsors that I work with, specifically trying to choose those who have values well aligned to the values expressed on this show, like freedom, education, self-sovereignty, etc. So what I'm going to do is a few ad reads right here at the top of the show and then a few ad, ad reads in the middle. And I hope you won't skip them. I hope you'll take the time, listen and see what they have to offer, because again, these are hand selected sponsors. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Swan Private. Swan Private is a concierge financial services firm based in Los Angeles. Now, I've known the Swan team for years, and these guys are laser focused on the Bitcoin mission. They even have a zero tolerance policy for all shitcoining. Recently, their CEO, Corey Clipston, was instrumental in calling out many of these crypto scams right before they collapsed, saving a lot of people a lot of money in the process. Swan Private focuses on guiding high net worth individuals and businesses on all aspects of Bitcoin strategy, including buying, custodying, and market research. This concierge service provides you direct access to a private advisor by text, phone, or email. So go to swanprivate.com slash breedlove today to sign up. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Ledin. Ledin lets you do more with your digital assets. For instance, Ledin offers a B2X loan product that lets you leverage your existing Bitcoin to buy even more Bitcoin. Or you can also get traditional Bitcoin collateralized US dollar loans through Ledin as well. Ledin also offers both Bitcoin and USDC denominated savings accounts, letting you generate yield on your digital assets. Recently, Ledin has launched a Bitcoin mortgage product as well that lets you use Bitcoin to buy a home or finance one that you already own. So go to Ledin.io, that's L-E-D-N.io today to sign up. J.W. Ross, welcome to the What Is Money Show. Thanks for having me on. It's glad to have you here. Um, we've been talking about this for quite some time. And uh, by way of quick introduction... You are the founder and CEO of Botanic Tonics. And uh, this is a product I was introduced to, I think I think it was by Ben Greenfield, um, who's another podcaster and fitness guy. And he was uh, marketing this as kind of an alcohol substitute. And I, I had stopped drinking for a period of about 18 months, a couple of years ago. And uh, so I gave it a shot and I, I really enjoyed your product and I've recommended it to a number of friends since. And um, so maybe we could just start there. Like, who are you? <laughs> How did you get into this line of business? And yeah. what exactly are botanic tonics? Okay. So I actually, uh, like you, um, I'd stopped drinking mine much more severe story than what you're describing, but, uh, I, I had to stop drinking and that was like 12 years ago. Um, and when I did my life vastly improved, but it wasn't the life that I wanted. Um, I needed the alcohol for, um, social lubrication. Um, I had real anxiety issues uh, with being, you know, uh, relationships with people in crowds and all that. And it really helped me. Um, and I knew that if I didn't find something else to replace alcohol, that I would go back to doing what I was doing before, which I knew was a dead end. And um, so I went out and market tried everything legal I could get my hands on it, you know, euphoric or social lubrication. None of that really did much for me. Um, it didn't do what I wanted. And then I tried everything illegal and most of that did way too much. Uh, or, you know, I wasn't looking for something that, you know, I didn't feel like I could drive a car or go work out or, you know, uh, I wanted something that, you know, I could, uh, 
go through my day with and I couldn't find it. So I started researching and kind of leaned back on some plants that I'd run across at different points earlier in my life. And um, that's how, and, and it really wasn't about doing it as a business. It was strictly for my personal consumption. But in the process of doing that, I um, was trying, you know, my friends and family were using them as guinea pigs and and when I hit on the right combination, they're all like, you, know, you need to sell this stuff. And that's how I got to consumer packaged goods. So interesting. Um, and so you, you were mentioning earlier that you had this kind of interesting path in your career. You started out, I think you said in oil and gas, mm -hmm. you later got into FinTech and then ultimately into to consumer packaged goods with, with botanic tonics. Um, do you think there were aspects that were setting you up for this along the way? Like, like typically in my career, I found that things that I didn't think were necessarily relevant in one position, somehow like some skill that I may have picked up that I was later to, to find another use for it in a later role or, or a later endeavor. Um, how has your, I guess your, your career path sort of brought you up to this point? Is, are there, are there aspects of the oil and gas and FinTech experience that, that serve you today? Oh, there's no doubt about that. Um, you know, a lot of the mistakes that I made in prior businesses, um, I've been able to avoid in this one. Um, and, uh, you know, started out oil and gas here domestically, uh, and then went over and did a project in the middle East. And then right after that, I went into fintech. I uh, was trying to come up with a um, a new technology for uh, remittance for migrant workers, um, and I launched that in Southeast Asia and lived there for about two and a half, three years. And, I, and if I hadn't been there, I wouldn't been exposed to uh, one of the key ingredients that we use uh, to create uh, the tonic. So every single thing uh, along the way, you know, was a piece of what we're doing now, uh, including we're, we're going international uh, this next year and just the experience of, you know, dealing with, you know, a business in multiple different markets around the world. And, um, you know, there's just a lot of things there that if you don't know, you don't know, and you're going to get nailed uh, that, I've already paid for that learning curve. Yeah, I'm sure you learned a lot. Um, we also tend to learn a lot traveling in general. I think plugging into different cultures uh, prepares you for a lot of uncertainties, I guess, in life, dealing with uncertainty and whatnot. Um, you mentioned that your time in Southeast Asia was instrumental in getting you into the botanic tonics. Was it the discovery of the actual ingredients? And, and if so, like what, what's in that? What is the botanic tonic? Yeah, so botanic tonic consists of two main ingredients. Uh, kava, which is the root of a pepper plant from the Pacific Islands, which I had been exposed to over 30 years ago, just on a guy trip, just partying and, and wound up of, you know, in Vanuatu and Tanai Islands out in the middle of nowhere and the village chief invited us to this ceremony. And I remember, you know, it was a pleasant experience. I kept that in the back of my mind. And then uh, when I was in Southeast Asia, I was introduced to, to a uh, Kratom, which is, it's a tree, it's in the coffee family. Um, and it's used there uh, by workers for uh, endurance and productivity enhancement. So um, ultimately, I wound up combining those two plants, which no one had ever done before. And that's the basis of, um, of feel free. So it's, it's Kava and Kratom are kind of the, the main plants or ingredients that are active. It's, in them. it's mainly Kava. It's 10 to one Kava over Kratom. Got it. Mostly Kava, a little bit of Kratom. And, um, so we mentioned earlier, you mentioned earlier that you, it was using alcohol for overcoming or dealing with social anxiety. 
which I think is by far the most common use case. Like even people that drink casually mm-hmm. have, have told me it's like they just want a little drink to take the edge off or just to, you know, let your hair down, whatever expression you want to use here. But ultimately people want to modify their consciousness a little bit, right? When they're getting into the social groove. And it's, it's actually alcohol is very effective. Um, mm-hmm. the, the issue you have with alcohol is... For some reason, most people don't make this connection because it's so deeply woven in our fabric for society is that alcohol is a very highly processed food. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Just like, you know, a junk food. Um, and in doing that, it's, you know, pretty hard on your system physically, uh, especially when you start getting in larger quantities, which is what I ultimately wound up doing. Um for most people, that does not lead to, a, you know, a good place. Uh, some people are able to, you know, control it, it but it's for a lot of people, um, it's 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 so highly concentrated that it's it's hard to dose the right amount, um, and it's fairly short acting. So you're kind of doing another one, another one, you know, and and it's easier to get it's easy to get tipped over the scale because the feeling's so good. Yeah, absolutely. It's can be quite euphoric. And then, as you said, too, it's so normalized in our culture that I guess the presumption is, well, everyone does it and it's legal. So what's the big deal? Um, yeah, it's it's interesting because I'll run into people that are, you know, health fanatics and you know, talking about how clean their diet is and, you know, no junk food and all that. And they're sitting there with a the drink in front of them, you know. That's as highly processed as anything else that you could put in your body, but you don't connect the dots between the two that that's, you know, no different than, you know, if you're having Cheetos or something. I mean, it's just, it's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I resisted this for a long time because the science is pretty clear that alcohol is just, just bad for you. Like there's not, much uh in terms of silver lining when it comes to alcohol consumption i used to try and you know people were often talking about you know a single glass or two glasses of red wine a day was good for your heart has resveratrol in it uh, antioxidant for anti-aging and things like this but when you actually dig into the science that's kind of all bullshit it's, uh, it's clever marketing by the alcohol. yeah yeah uh maybe a bitter pill to swallow for a lot of people but let me tell you, alcohol is just bad for you. It doesn't really offer any benefit as, as far as I you know, know, other than the thing of it is, is that, you know, in doing and going through this, I'm a research fanatic and I really got into researching social lubricants that have been used around the world for hmm. the last you know, thousands of years. And there's a handful of them. And what's interesting is, is that alcohol is an outlier. So you have, you have cotton in South Africa. You have coca in Central and South America. You have kratom in Southeast Asia, kava uh, in the Pacific Islands, and then you have alcohol. But none of those in our native societies are processed other than alcohol. Hmm. Uh, the rest of them are used in very natural form. And in the natural form that they're used, they don't have the physical and social issues that you see with alcohol. Mm. And I think it's, I think it's because of the processing. Mm. Uh, you're able to get much more in your system than, than if you take something that's, you know, the way mother nature designed it. Um, and we're seeing the same thing with the, uh, the Kratom here in the U S because now just like they do with coca oh. and cocaine, 99% of what you're getting in market here in the U.S. is is extracts, mm. um, which, you know, again, is taking out a lot of the other alkaloids, a lot of the fiber, and you can get, you can get a lot more in your system. Um, it becomes, you know, about getting a high, not about productivity enhancement and focus. Mm. Um, and you look, you know, an example is that you take kava. Kava has been used for 3,000 years in the Pacific Islands. Um, no real violence issues, no, you know, uh, social issues, no physical issues. And they drink it, you know, 
all the time. It's like we do coffee here. Hmm. Um, you know, it, it, I was I was in Vanuatu, one of the islands there recently, and I uh, was talking to a Frenchman that has business interest in a lot of the different uh, countries in that area. And he said, it's, it's like night and day. He said, the islands that are cobbled forward have extremely low crime rates, violence rates. The islands that are alcohol forward are just the opposite. Yet the Cabo will do the exact same thing that the alcohol does. It's it's as business efficient of social lubricant, but it does it in a different way. Alcohol, what I found now is that alcohol, um, it amplifies you, makes you more aggressive. Um, you know, liquid courage, all that. Kava mm -hmm. does the opposite. Kava quietens you down and allows you to focus on everyone around you. Um, and you have better relationships and better conversations and all that because you're open now to listen to, really listen to what people are saying hmm. versus trying to interject yourself over the top of them. Hmm. Um, and you have just as pleasant ex of experience, if not more pleasant, uh, because you get that social lubrication, but it's it's done in a completely different way. That's interesting. So would you say it's a, a more uh, empathy-inducing, perhaps, relative to alcohol? It, it is. I, I Very early on, um, I was introduced to a, a health guy down in San Diego called Paul Chak, and... Um, I took it down to him to try. And, and when he tried it, he's within about 20 minutes. He goes, you know, this is a heart opener. And I kind of fringe because that's kind of a hippy dippy mm. term. Mm. But I really think that he nailed it in that because what it's doing again is it's quietening you down and getting you out of your head and opening you up to the people that are around you, mm. uh, which, you know, is really opening your heart. Yeah, I think, well, I mean, heart openers, at least from I have a little bit of a background in yoga, there's a lot of uh, heart opening kind of training that goes into that. But there's also substances, you know, people use, and this is used in clinical settings today, MDMA, right? That's a heart mm -hmm. opener. Yep. Yep. Um, so there is really something to this activation of our empathic nature that seems to be much more of a net positive than alcohol i'm not sure what alcohol is amplifying or what seems to be our darker nature perhaps um it just um it just amplifies us overall yeah again i think the liquid courage is a, is a good description because it makes us bigger than we than we normally are yes which, you know which i guess can be good in some cases but but in a lot of cases that's not good yeah, it really it does a good point because it can amp it can turn someone that's happy go lucky into someone that's just super happy go lucky. Or if someone's a little bit darker, then it can make them you know very dark. Um, but the cost of that transformation is the real problem, right? That alcohol takes such a toll on your body, exactly, um, to achieve that that goal. So, okay, so I think at least from my perspective, the science is very clear: alcohol bad. And again, this is something that I resisted for a long time because I've always been uh, a social drinker. I've always enjoyed it. Um, what does the science say about the ingredients in botanic tonics, kava and kratom? So kava um, has never really had any issues. Uh, there was one uh, scare uh, with kava in Germany years and years ago. It was uh, actually... Um, um, a supply had come in that had salmonella and some people got you know hurt by that and that really kind of tainted kava for quite some time as people were talking about liver damage and all that um but the reality is is that you can look in the societies that have been using it you know every day long term you don't see any of that um you don't see any physical or social harm um it Again, it quietens you down. It makes you, you know, docile. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, it's just, you know, it's just a wonderful plant for anxiety. Mm. Um, kratom um, is a lot more controversial. Um, 
And the re if you look at it again, it's native societies, no issues because they're using it in its natural form, the way we're using it. Mm -hmm. What's happened is just like coca leaves, which coca leaves are wonderful too. You got people in Central and South America that have been chewing their entire life, mm -hmm. no issues. But then we take solvents and we create cocaine out of it. That's mm -hmm. a whole different thing. Mm -hmm. They've done the same thing with Kratom here. Uh, exactly the same thing. It's got 52 alkaloids. They extract two of the 52, which is what they do to make cocaine. And it becomes a much different animal. Um, and if you go online, you'll see quite a bit of ne negativity around it. That negativity is based on the, uh, the extracts, not the hmm. fully natural kratom. Interesting. So it's the, the refinement process or the, the, human intervention or the what are we doing we're synthesizing a few compounds out of the full spectrum of the plant and then concentrating it right that's what you're doing so you turn coca leaf you're into cocaine. To get, you know it's mainly mitragynine and hydroxyne mitragynine is the two mm. main components and you're able to get you know a thousand times more of it in your system than you normally would oh wow that's incredible yeah i remember just, i Sorry, go ahead. Alcohol. In alcohol, you're, you're fermenting, you know, and you're able to, you know, turn it into something else that it wasn't really, you know, wasn't meant to be. Hmm. Yeah, I, I hiked Machu Picchu in Peru. I did the yeah. four-day hike at one point, yeah. and it's uh, it's quite high elevation. I think we were between eight and 14,000 feet, depending on what part of the trail you were on. Uh, we're hiking eight to 10 hours a day. We had uh, people that helped us carry our, you know, we're camping and all that. They were helping us carry our things up the mountain, but the altitude made it so difficult. Like it was difficult for me to just take a step really. I've, um, and the coca leaf is what saved me. Like everyone was chewing coca leaf on the hiking trail. I didn't notice any effect at all, right? It's not really stimulate. I mean, maybe, maybe very mildly stimulating, but it just helps you deal with the altitude sickness. It um, does. And it, it, you know, it, it is, it is helping you with productivity and endurance, mm -hmm. but it's doing it in a very mild manner. Mm -hmm. So it's not like caffeine. Caffeine is jolting. I mean, it, mm -hmm. you know, if you, look, you read the science and you do, you know, it's it jolts your system. Um, coca leaves kind of accomplish the same thing, but they do it in a you know in a very mild manner, and, and you don't have this big spike and it comes down. It's just kind of you know it's kind of a more of a soft bell curve. Yeah, and that's just by virtue of using the whole plant rather than trying to. Exactly refine it right uh, that makes a lot of sense now i'd like to tell you about our sponsor crowd health crowd health is a bitcoin enabled alternative to legacy health insurance now let's face it legacy health insurance is an absolute scam nobody can explain this better than the legendary comedian chris rock insurance you got to have some insurance you got to there's an insurance they shouldn't even call it insurance they should just call it in case shit <laughs> And I give a company some money in case shit happens. Now, if shit don't happen, shouldn't I get my money back? <laughs> so with CrowdHealth, instead of just paying premiums that you'll never see again, you can hold part of this pool of savings in dollars and in Bitcoin through CrowdHealth. And when you have a health event, you can draw against this pool of communal savings. So go to joincrowdhealth.com slash breedlove to learn more or sign up. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Wasabi Wallet. Wasabi lets you use Bitcoin privately while still maintaining full control over your money. Specifically, Wasabi Wallet is an open source, non-custodial wallet with privacy built in by default. By using Wasabi, you're effectively putting the private back in private property. Wasabi Wallet is an easy-to-use privacy wallet that can support any amount of Bitcoin transactions. So go to wasabiwallet.io today to download this state-of-the-art wallet software. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Masterworks. 
Masterworks gives you access to the fine art market at more affordable price points. They do this by offering you fractional shares in their $500 million portfolio of fine art. Now, fine art is an alternative asset class, and historically, it's been a great performer and a really good hedge against inflation. Most investors typically hold anywhere from 2 to 10% of their assets in an asset like fine art. To sign up or learn more, go to masterworks.com and use promo code BREEDLOVE. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Casa. Casa makes it simple to buy and secure your Bitcoin without wondering whether you're doing it right. Specifically, Casa provides a multi-key custody solution, which is by far the most secure way to custody your Bitcoin. Now, when I talk about Bitcoin being theft-proof money or inviolable private property, a multi-key custody model is exactly what I am talking about. Using multiple keys lets you maintain full control of your Bitcoin while also giving you redundancy in case you lose one of the keys. It's also the best way to secure your Bitcoin for inheritance planning purposes. So go to keys.casa, that's C-A-S-A, today to sign up and use discount code BREEDLOVE. Sharing this with you offline, you know, when I was in college, I it was like my late college years, I had sustained a slight injury uh, and I was working with kind of the athletic department at the University of Tennessee at the time. And they prescribed me an opiate for the injury. And I found that I really liked the way the opiate made me feel. I really enjoyed the feeling of it. And I, from people I've talked to, it seems to be kind of like a 50-50 shot. Either people hate the way it makes them feel or they love the way it makes mm -hmm. them feel. Yeah. And I, what I noticed when I first took the botanic tonic is that it seemed like a milder version of that. Like I, I got the euphoric kind of um, energized, mild, energized feeling, but somewhat euphoric, a little more talkative, uh, physically somewhat euphoric as well. Is there a relationship there between uh, so opiates and there's a lot of tonic? controversy out there about Kratom being an opioid. It's not an opioid. Mm -hmm. uh, but what it does do is that it, it hits the same receptors as the opioids do. Uh, the difference is that the opioids, they hit the receptors and bind to them, uh, whereas the compounds, the alkaloids that are in kratom, strike those receptors and move on. Um, so it's, a, as you described, it's a much milder experience versus uh, a synthetic opioid. Um, the other thing that's that's a benefit because of that is uh, it's not as addictive as the synthetic opioids are. Um, you know, I'll preference that though with my opinion is that anything that makes you feel good, you can become dependent on. Sure, and, you know, sure. Sugar, or if it's cheese, or if it's sex, or whatever it is, that to me is not the question you should be asking because that's a given. Mm -hmm. If something makes you feel good, you want more of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the question is, is if I do it on a regular basis, is it going to hurt me physically or socially? Mm. And, you know, what we've seen with the tonic is that because we're using the full natural leaf and all that, that, you know, we're serving over a million servings a month now, and we've not seen any evidence of either physical or social harm. No, no serious incidences to date. That's interesting. Um, what is the, in terms of like dosage, because the, the drinks that you sell, they're a small, what are they, one ounce bottles maybe? They're, they're two ounces. Two ounce bottles. Um, how, like what is, do you, rec, is there a certain recommended dosage in terms of how many per day or how many per week you yeah, we, limit? We, we recommend no more than one per day. Um, mm. You know, like, again, like most everything else, um, the, the poisons in the dose. Yeah. Um, I don't care what it is. If you do too much of it, it's going to, you know, not be good for you. So right. including water. Recommend to, yeah. You can kill yourself with water. Yeah. Know, of all things. Um, most people don't realize it, but last year there was 154 people that died from caffeine. Wow. Uh, so too much caffeine can, can kill you. Um, so, you know, it's about uh, moderation. 
Um, and we suggest, you know, no more than one bottle per day. Got it. And then um, in terms of use cases, because I've used it for work, workout, uh, social gatherings, and I found it to be pretty effective at all of them. Um, I don't prefer it for a workout. It does give me a little bit of energy, but it's not, I almost like to work out just stone sober. I, I found that yeah. to be the most effective, but for work and social gatherings in particular, I found it to be useful. Um, what are other, or what are the use cases? I guess most people are looking so, for. So that's an interesting thing because when I start talking to people about this, they look at you like, well, that's too good to be true. <laughs> it seems <laughs> like, you know, work and social seems like two, to two totally different things, but it, it makes sense because you have one plant that's the social lubricant, kava, it's you know very similar to alcohol uh, as far as what it winds up doing, and then you have kratom, which is historically was used by workers in the field to not only endure you know twelve hours a day, seven days a week, but to actually enjoy you know doing it. Mm. Uh, and when you mix those two together, you get what I described as chilled energy. Mm. Uh, so it's not a caffeine type jolting energy. It's a social energy, um, and that applies to, you know, working out early in the morning, crushing a work assignment, or letting your hair down at night. Mm -hmm. um, and it does it amazingly well. It, and so most of the people that use it wind up using much less caffeine and alcohol, hmm. and they use it throughout the day. So it is people are using it often as a caffeine or alcohol replacement. It sounds like. Yes. In fact, most people wind up using it for both. Hmm. And that really wasn't, that wasn't what I designed it for, or that wasn't the problem. You know, this was kind of a, you know, added benefit. Uh, Cause I strictly was doing it, you know, for the, uh, the alcohol replacement side of it. The other thing that we've noticed is that, and I'm not sure exactly what's causing this, but something about these two particular strains, when you mix them in the percentages that we're mixing them, you get this real focusing quality, mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, allows you then to really, you know, crush whatever, you know, assignment or whatever it is that you want to do. Um, it, you know, it does a wonderful job at that. Yeah. It's, yeah. Two things that most people wouldn't consider being on the same wavelength, like caffeine and alcohol, but it does seem to be useful as for replacing either one of them in terms of, again, I've used it for work and it gives me a certain level of cognitive stimulation, uh, motivation perhaps, but then also makes you a little more, social i guess too and, and social gathering so yeah. I, th I thought that was cool that's a cool effect um in terms of side effects so what what are are there common side effects or issues that people deal with when consuming kava or kratom so just like any other uh, uh ingredient there's a percentage of people a small percentage of people that you know have an allergic reaction to it um you know and that's, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be peanuts or whatever. I mean, some people will get severely ill if they, you know, consume. What we've seen here is that you do have a percentage of people that have a large reaction to it. And it's usually nausea. Um, it's a very, very small percentage. I mean, it's tiny, tiny. But for those people, um, you know, when they consume it, their body immediately tries to purge it. Um, because it's, you know, the body realizes that this is, you know, not, not a fit. Um, really, um, other than that, we really haven't had any reported issues. Uh, you don't get a crash off of it. You don't get a hangover the next day. I mean, I, you know, early on, because nobody had mixed these plants together before, and I knew that, you know, some people would abuse it. <laughs> I did 
very, very high levels of it for an extended period of time. Uh, and then check my blood chemistry versus my annual blood chemistry. And I didn't see any elevation in liver enzymes, um, you know, blood sugar, any of that type of stuff. I went one step further and I actually did some of the kratom extracts for a period of time. And I, within 60 days, I saw elevation in liver enzymes. Oh, wow. So, there's something there about having the rest of those alkaloids and the other uh, material that's in there that um, that protects you from that. Hmm. And the I've um, there there does seem to be maybe a slowing of the digestive tract, or at least some effect for me on the digestive tract. Um, not it's not anything negative necessarily it just definitely changes up digestion a little bit is there is that related to diet or is that is that just kind of a one-off thing that i'm dealing with or no it, it's uh for some people it it um you know it, it's you need to stay really hydrated when you're using it because it it's it has kind of a diuretic you know effect to it um and uh, as we discussed earlier what i i found for me was that you know adding a little bit more uh, unpasteurized dairy to my uh, diet um, offset, you know, what I was seeing. And I don't really see it at all at the doses I'm doing now. I did see it when I was doing, you know, much higher doses uh, mm -hmm. when I was testing different levels uh, that, you know, it had some constipation. Mm. What were the, how high did you go on your dosing schedule when <laughs> you were experimenting? I did, uh, I did six bottles a day Ooh. for, about three and a half, four months. Wow. Yeah. I can't even imagine. Wow. I've never taken more than one, I don't think, in a day. It, um, again, I didn't see anything physically in blood chemistry, but mm -hmm. I did feel a little toxic. Yeah. Um, which I think that would be the case if you took, you know, that much of anything. Sure. Um, and I didn't really like the overall feel of it mm -hmm. as much as I did. A smaller amount um it's the the less you do the more energizing it is the more mm. you do the more um uh, sedative it becomes interesting and very similar to alcohol alcohol at smaller doses is is more of a stimulant but you get you trip over that edge and it becomes a you know yeah yeah. yeah for sure did you notice a significant correction like after you did six bottles a day for four months was there like a period of adjustment <laughs> coming back this seems like a lot yeah i mean it, it um i tapered down off of it after yeah. that i've learned you know over the years trying different things that it's better to you know to go try something at high levels like that it's you don't want to just abruptly stop you want to right. taper Paper down off of it. Yeah, and one of the one of the worst examples of that where I learned that was years ago. I got into diet cokes, and I was drinking like eight diet cokes a day. Mm -hmm. And I just decided one day to stop, and I had the worst withdrawal that that's probably anything I've ever tried to get off of. I mean, mm. it just the, the headaches were just unbelievably horrible mm. it lasted for a couple of weeks wow uh, i mean advil or anything else wouldn't touch it yeah so taper on and taper off if you're yeah. Going, yeah. going up the mountain it's good advice uh so yeah i, I guess i want to pivot here a little bit into the personal development side of things because it as we said earlier alcohol Alcohol usage is very widespread, uh, as is caffeine usage. I guess caffeine is probably more widespread than alcohol. Uh, I have found both alcohol and caffeine to be damaging. Well, I guess I'm now I'm going to be 37 in about a month. So uh, things that worked in my 20s started to not work in my 30s. So I've been trying to adjust things as we go. Wait, wait till you get in your 60s, like me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but my, 
instinct is that there's a large cohort of people that kind of quietly struggle with either alcohol and or caffeine. That's, um, that's been what's been the most fascinating part of this journey is that, you know, I always knew, and it, and it gets a lot of publicity, there's this segment of society like me that, you know, are alcoholics and just, you know, go off the deep end with alcohol. Um, and, but I think there's, what I'm realizing now is there's this much, much larger wedge of people that they're not losing a job. They're not crashing cars. They're not, you know, they're not having those kind of issues, but they're having subtle signs that their life is not quite balanced the way mm -hmm. it should, mm -hmm. you know, they wake up the next day and go, you know, maybe I shouldn't have said that or, you know, mm -hmm. or, you know, I just don't feel good this morning and I don't feel like, you know, going and working out like I normally would or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's just these little kind of things just kind of gnawing at you a little bit. And I literally get, you know, hundreds of calls from people every month talking about that. And it's, a, what's interesting is it's, it's a lot of young people. Mm -hmm. uh, it's young people, people that are in their, you know, late twenties and thirties along in there. And I think, as you described, is you can get a, you can get away with a lot when you're you know twenty early twenties. Mm -hmm. Your body chemistry starts changing, uh, you know, and, and you can't do what you you can't you can't abuse your body the way that you could before. You can, but it it, it your body recovers differently and it mm -hmm. reacts differently. And I think what happens is is that you know people start out drinking and then you know they kind of accelerate a little bit. And, but then this, you know, your body's changing and they hit this inflection point where they go, they start saying, is this worth it? Mm -hmm. Is the trade-off for what I'm getting worth what I'm paying here? And I think that's a, I think that's a huge segment of society. Mm -hmm. um, much, much larger than anybody thinks, thinks it is because those people aren't, in the news they're not you know it's not a big thing that people are talking about but i can tell you based on the, the feedback i'm getting there's there's a lot of these people out there yeah I, I i'm sure there have to be i mean my own personal experience was in my 20s it was all benefit and no cost in terms of alcohol and caffeine right like alcohol makes you feel good and then I didn't really, I actually was one of those people that didn't get hangovers that much. So I could just drink yeah. and I could go to bed and wake up and I'd be fine. So there's not really, there was no real cost, I guess, other than financial cost of actually buying the alcohol, right. uh, no health costs, let's say. And then with caffeine, it was just the thing that makes you work harder and faster and smarter. And I never felt yeah. really any negative consequences to that either. Like I, I would just drink the caffeine and it was no problem. But then in my 30s, uh, like you said, just dealing, for me, it was gut inflammation, gut issues. Mm -hmm. Both alcohol and caffeine seemed to be aggravating to the issues I was dealing with. So I was trying to find out ways to remove them. And alcohol was actually much easier. Alcohol, I could just quit, which I did. I quit for a long time. But caffeine was extremely difficult because I was, I was dependent caffeine. on caffeine for work. I talk to people and they're like, you know, they say, well, caffeine's not, you know, caffeine doesn't have withdrawal or and i'm like when is the last time that you didn't use caffeine yeah exactly you ever <laughs> and they'll, they'll, they'll kind of think about well they, you know i've never stopped yeah i'm like just try tomorrow abruptly stop and see how you feel yeah and i guarantee you if you're consuming much at all every day you're going to feel like crap for a while oh yeah it's it does have fairly serious withdrawal symptoms. Absolutely. I, with alcohol for me, I was able to just put it down again. I wasn't a heavy drinker, just kind of social drinker, but I just stopped pretty much on a dime one day to said, I'm going to stop. And I stopped for 18 months. Yeah. The first three weeks, uh, on the weekends in particular, like I, I guess the habit or whatever I wanted to, I wanted to drink, but I just, kind of white knuckled through it. But after three weeks, the feeling went away. And it's like, I could care less about alcohol. I could have never drank again. I think, um, caffeine on the other hand, yeah, 
when I quit, I quit caffeine six months ago. And for the first week, I was extremely emotional. I was like depressed. I felt like I had lost an old friend. It was so strange, like the ritual of drinking the coffee. And I love the taste and the the jolt that it gives you. It took me, a, I was kind of out of it for two solid weeks. Um, but now it's, I'm, I'm so glad I did because now I wake up and I'm up, you know, I don't need to crawl to the kitchen and make coffee. Um, and it's helped me too, as I said earlier, like just get rid of some of the things that were aggravating health issues I was dealing with. So that, um, has been a big, big help. Do you think that alcohol and caffeine would head down the same path as tobacco? I don't. I don't think that caffeine will, because caffeine to me doesn't have as serious of downside as alcohol does. Mm -hmm. From what I'm reading and what I'm hearing from people, uh, there seems to be finally a shift away from alcohol, especially seems like younger people. And they're looking for other, you know, other options. Um, And I think that um, it appears to me that it's it's going down the same path as tobacco. Hmm. Uh, We're in the very early stages of it, but you're you're starting to see mainstream media report more and more on, you know, the downside and the dangers and all that. that, you know, maybe this isn't, you know, maybe this shouldn't be the fabric of our, of our society. Hmm. And I don't think that I saw that even three or four years ago. Hmm. Um, I mean, just today, looking through, you know, different streams of media, I saw three different articles on talking about how uh, one in three or two in three people now don't, you know, don't consume at all. And you know, just talking about, you know, how people are, you know, are really trying to find other options uh, on a, you know, on mass, not again, not just this alcoholic segment, mm-hmm. but, you know, you're, you know, uh, a broad part of society, which I think is a, I think it's a great thing. I mean, and that was, if you go back, that was kind of where, this pivot in tobacco started. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The casual drinking that seems again, widely accepted, culturally accepted, but um, people don't stop to kind of account for the cost that it's inflicting on them. You know, for me, it was those morning workouts like after not drinking for a couple of weeks, how good your morning workouts become. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's like you double and your endurance, your mindset, your energy, like everything just doubles. Yeah. Um, and so I think that might be the, the best way to make it evident. Cause if you just have a couple of glasses of wine and you, you don't have something, you need something to measure it against. It might be your sleep too. I know, you know, I notice a lot of people now wearing these uh, fitness tracking watches and whatnot, and they're often reporting, wow, when I drink, my sleep like goes to hell. Very disruptive for sleep. Yeah. Um, An interesting thing about that is, is that we have a lot of athletes that use uh, feel free. Mm. And a lot of them are very serious about tracking, you know, everything, including sleep. And we're getting a lot of reports about much better quality sleep uh, when consuming feel-free versus not consuming it. Hmm. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Uh, now, is feel-free, that's the only product you guys have right now? The two-ounce it bottle? Is. Okay. It's the, the two-ounce bottle. We are launching a... Um, a capsule version of it next week. Okay. Um, it has a, like almost anything that's, you know, that's really, you know, changes. It, it's got a really strong flavor to it. Mm-hmm. So people just can't get past that. So the capsules will solve that issue. And then um, the bottles are kind of hard to travel with if you're going, you know, long distance. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, the capsules make it a lot easier to to travel and keep it with you. Got it. Is capsules the same ingredients, just in a capsule form? Exactly the same. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. the only difference in the capsules is there's there's no you know flavoring to it. It's just uh, it's just the actives. Right. 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 Yeah. I've I really enjoy the taste. Like it's it is strong, but it I've always liked plant flavored stuff. Like I like green tea in yeah. raw form and. Uh, or I guess earthy plant flavored stuff. So I'm, I'm just kind of a fit for it, but I have heard other people say that they can't, can't deal with the taste. So that makes a lot of sense. One of the things that's interesting is, is that, you know, some of the people that reported nausea with the tonic mm-hmm. that we tested the capsules on didn't report the nausea, hmm. uh, which leads me to believe that the nausea was, was set up by the taste. Right that the taste was, was overbearing and, you know, it set the stage for, you know, Ooh, I'm going you know, to get sick. Yeah. And, you know, the body uh, reacted to that. Yeah. That makes sense. When are, when are the capsules launching? Next week. Next week. Nice. Well, that's very cool. Um, I assume the, the strong flavor is because of the plants, obviously. It is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Got it. Well, JW, um, thank you for making these drinks. Um, I've been sharing them with with family and friends and uh, hopefully helping people wake up to this alcohol caffeine thing that we're all uh, trapped in, it seems like, this this normalization of alcohol and caffeine. Um, where can I send people to learn more about your work or botanic tonics? So the company is Botanic Tonics. So botanictonics.com is the website. And that's there's a plethora of information on the, on the website. Wonderful. Well, JW, I really appreciate you doing this. You bet. Thanks for having me on.